Hello and welcome to the Ben Like Bamboo Resilience Show. So Ben Like Bamboo is to master change with flexibility. And on the show, I get to interview very special guests talking about resilience and how to master it in our minds and in our bodies, in our lives. And today I get to interview the amazing Craig Harper. Welcome to the show, Craig. Hi, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm so, I feel so blessed that um, you're here with me. Uh, I think that your work is truly extraordinary and very important. Oh, thank you. That's that's very nice of you. <clears throat> we're all having a go, aren't we? We're all trying to help people and we're all trying to use our skills and our gifts and our time and energy to hopefully leave the world a better place than we came into it. Absolutely. And you're so inspiring. Please let me introduce you properly. Um, you've done so much. It's just incredible. Craig Harper is one of Australia's leading um, presenters, writers, educators in the health, in the areas of health, high performance, resilience, self-management, leadership, corporate change, communication, personal transformation, and more broadly, human behavior. This is going to be so juicy today. I can't wait. Craig has worked as an exercise scientist, corporate speaker, consultant, university lecturer, AFL conditioning coach, radio host, TV presenter, newspaper columnist, and successful business owner. He hosts a successful podcast called The You Project and is the author of several well, seven books, actually, so several books. And I know that you're completing, um, just from listening to your podcast, a, PD, um, a PhD currently, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm not very good at it, but I'm having a go. I'm the, I always say I'm the dumbest PhD student at Monash. I'm just stumbling towards the bar like a, a pissed bloke at a 50th birthday. I don't believe you. I reckon you're pretty amazing. I think you're, <laughs> I reckon, uh, so neuropsychology. Yeah, I don't know what it means exactly, but <clears throat> something to do with the brain and the mind, I think. <laughs> you can tell us at the end when you finish, I'm sure. But so I've just been reading one of your books, um, 20 Questions for Humans. And I wanted to start with this because it shows what you believe in. So you're all about high quality questions because we're more likely to make better decisions, embrace healthier behaviours think more logically, produce better outcomes and change our life for the better when we ask the right questions. And I love how you started this book. I mean, the intro about your dad just touched my soul. It was so well written. Oh my God. I just want to recite this bit. Your life is in constant communication with you. Like it or not, that's just how things work. No matter what you're doing or not doing, you're always producing some kind of result, always creating some kind of an outcome, impact and ripple effect and in your own world and in the lives of others. Your life is always telling you something. And this is so true, Craig. I really believe this too. It is an ever-present external feedback system a reality check and all you do is all you need to do is pay attention to your results to your relationships to your bank balance your lifestyle your physical health your situation circumstance environment your loved ones your life is always telling you what's working and what's not Mm. yeah we do we live in the middle of this kind of feedback system and whether that's biofeedback back with our body or whether or not it's what our bank balance or our job or you know, our higher self is telling us or our marriage or our, like you said, situation, circumstance, environment, you know, it's, it's really important that we pay attention. And one of the, one of the dangers I think, Amanda, is that we can live unconsciously. And by that, I don't mean (laughs) asleep, but I mean kind of metaphorically asleep where 
we we get up every day and we kind of do what we did yesterday, the day before, last week, last yeah. month, last year, even though at the same time, hmm. it didn't really work. It's okay, but it's not optimal. It's I mean, safe. some of us, some of us have been wanting to change stuff, the same stuff for 10 years. And we literally could have changed that stuff 10 years ago, but we're still waiting, you know, for the right time or the right moment or some kind of sign from the universe or, and, you know, and then we're 50 and then we're 60 or then we're 30 or whatever the case may be. And it's not, you know, sometimes this can seem um, a little brutal. I don't mean it to, because it's definitely not about self-loathing. It's about self-awareness. It's like awareness of self, awareness of me in the middle of all of the stuff that I can't control. So, you know, when I'm trying to live my best life, whatever that means, because it's kind of cheesy, isn't it? Or I'm trying to live my values, whatever they are, or, or my purpose. Your potential. Yeah, all that stuff. So, you know, what, what are the things that I need to do to be in alignment with all of that stuff? Mm. You know, I call, I call that state autopilot. I think you use that word as well. Yeah. Is, and I think when we get stressed, we go back straight into our comfort zone. And an example of living in autopilot is like driving home, you get home, you can't even remember what streets you turn down. I use this example all the time and I read that you use a similar example in your book too. Um, and we can live our lives this way. Sometimes what's stressing us out isn't obvious. You usually think it's going to be some crisis or a trauma that's really obvious or a pandemic, whatever. Um, or it could be significant change like the uh, a divorce or the ending of a career. But sometimes, um, and as a kinesiologist, I see this with my clients every single day, there's an, there can be an inner conflict or an inner brewing of unresolved anger, suppressed mm. sadness. And this can create auto um, autopilot behavior as well. Because it stresses us out, even though, and we push that out of our awareness. Mm, definitely. That's definitely. the stuff I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about there are certain things that we do consciously and there are certain things that we do, as you said, on autopilot. Or in other words, we have a kind of a behavioral default setting. And the behavioral default setting is the stuff that I do that I kind of don't think about too much. And that might be, as you said, driving to work or home, or Mm. it could be the way that you just spend money or manage your money or don't manage your money. It could be the way that you eat. It could be the way that Mm. you speak to certain people. Mm. It could be the way that you make decisions around certain things. It could be habits or behaviors that are destructive or counterproductive. And and then we wake up and it's 2022 and we're like, oh shit, I'm still doing this stuff. And how did I get here? And this actually wasn't my plan and it wasn't my intention and it isn't where I wanted to be, but nonetheless, here I am. Yeah. And so sometimes it's almost like we need to have a an intervention <laughs> in our own life. You yes. know, we need to hit the pause button. Um, I, I had a oh, years ago, Amanda, um, I, when I was in my, maybe 20 years ago. So I was, I was mid thirties and life was from the outside looking in life was awesome. I had five different businesses, five standalone premises, all in profit, wow. all going, yeah, all going well. I had over a hundred staff. I was making lots of dough. Yeah. You know, all those normal KPIs that we would call success. I had a nice house and I had a beach house and I had all these. And, and from the outside looking in my life was shiny, mm. you know, but in the middle of all of that, and not that any of that is bad, by the way, but in the middle of all of that, I was physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually bankrupt because 
all of my focus and energy was on this external representation of success. Mm. And as I said, money's not bad. Fancy cars are not bad. Houses are not bad. But I think one of the things that we can do is we can lose our sense of self in the stuff that isn't us. Yes. So we get our sense of identity from our car or our house or our achievements or what people think of us or our PhD or the ratings on our podcast or our likes on Instagram or the clothes we're wearing or our teeth or our hair color or our biceps in my case. <laughs> when I was the insecure, overthinking, self-loathing bodybuilder for many years. Well, you lucky know? they stayed with you because you still got some, you know, good muscles going on there. Oh, thank like... you. I do what I can. I try not to be too out of shape. It's kind of imagine if you get up and talk about health and wellness, and you look like the opposite <laughs> of what you're talking about. Yeah, it does sort of need to match, but it does start when you when you work hard on your body. The good thing is, it, you know, the shape can really stay there. You do have to maintain it, but when you work hard on muscle tone, it can it can stay with you. So well done. Um, I agree with you. I agree with um, when I've focused on the external. It's usually because I've stopped or I have the inability to connect to myself internally, typically from emotional pain that's unresolved. Because mm. mm. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go inside. I don't want to sit course. still in my head. And that's why we get addicted to stuff because we want to get yeah. out of pain. That's why we numb out with food and with drugs and with booze and with spending and with sex and with anything that gets me out of this thing that I'm feeling. So I don't want to feel this feeling, you know, and, and that's one of the challenges is that sometimes the work that we need to do, be that with our body, be that with our emotions, be that with our fears, be that yeah. with our behaviors or habits or relationships in fact, mm. I'm going to say nearly all the time, the work that we need to do is at least for a while uncomfortable. And the dichotomy is that on the one hand, we say we want to learn and grow and evolve and build resilience and strength, which most of us do mm. if, we, if we were asked. Mm. But at the same time, in order to get that or to create that, we need to work through resistance because that's where strength comes. Mm. You go to the gym, but you, you don't work against resistance. You don't build muscle. You don't build strength. You don't build power. And so too mentally and emotionally, the analogy is if I don't work against resistance, if I'm constantly throwing my hands in the air, literally or metaphorically and giving up and letting the situation dictate me. Mm. And as, in other words, the story gets written for me, not by me. Then yeah. now I, I'm, you know, I'm at the whim of whatever's going on around me. I'm not in charge. So when you're at your lowest point and when these things are the hardest to do, where you just don't know, you don't have that spark or willpower to just do the work, in, with things that you might have been through in your life, what's been the catalyst for you that's just changed that, where you've been able to turn that corner? You know, you, you spoke about it at the start. So there's a, an interesting area of psychology called metacognition, mm. which is thinking about thinking. And you've got to remember that, like, reality is a story in your head. Reality is subjective, mm -hmm. right? So let's say you have a 1,000 people listen to this podcast and they hear Amanda and they hear Craig for the same amount of time, sharing the same words with the same energy. And everyone hears the same, everyone has the same inbound stimulus but nobody has the same experience. Mm. Nobody shares an identical reality regarding this podcast right now because every individual looks at life through a different window. Every individual has their own filter 
of bias and prejudice and culture and beliefs and faith and likes and dislikes. And so, so for me, I, one of the questions I always ask myself when I'm starting to feel sorry for myself or the bottom lips falling out a bit is, is this really a problem or yeah. is this, is this about my thinking? Is this really adversity? Is this actually hardship? Is this really a bloody catastrophe or is this a story in my head about a catastrophe? Yeah. Because we have this amazing ability to turn up the volume on little things and make them big, hysterical, yeah. emotional volcanoes. You know, <laughs> my my mum's had cancer three times. Gosh. Um, and like full on, you know, like she had to have two years ago, 18, two years ago, she had to have two major surgeries at 79. She had to have two major surgeries within five days. They recommended that those surgeries be six months apart, but she couldn't wait. So she had two thirds of a lung removed and ma so major lung surgery and major bowel surgery within a week. And then she had, and she, you know, it was not necessarily expected that she would get through that, but she did, God bless her. And then she spent two weeks in intensive care, then another week or two on the ward. And then she came home and then she endured five months of the worst chemotherapy, the strongest chemotherapy her little body could hold, take. And she went from a, a very not fat 53 or four kilo body where she had no weight to lose down to about 35. Oh, she lost God. all her hair. She um, constantly had a taste of metal in her mouth. She was constantly mm. uh, either had diarrhea or constipation. She had chronic fatigue. She had headaches and she never once complained. And in the middle of all of that, she would ring me each day or I would ring her. But the first thing that she would ask me generally was something like, are you eating well? Like, are you, are you looking after yourself? This is my mum. This is my <laughs> 79 year old mum. Who's going mm. through the worst shit of all time. Who's worrying about me. Yeah. And then, so I'm listening to my mum going, you Craig Harper, you need to harden up because <laughs> your mum is way more powerful and way more inspirational and way more resilient maybe mm. than you will ever be. And so I think perspective is a beautiful thing because it makes us check our stories and it makes us check, excuse me, I'm sure you don't swear on this podcast normally, yeah, but it, no, makes us, it. it makes us check our bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause you, when you tell yourself a story of doom and gloom mm. and you believe the story, then the story's real for you. And not only is it real in your head, it's real in your emotions and it's real in your body. And now you are literally having that experience, which is self-created. And that's not to say there are not terrible experiences, experiences that are legit. Of course there are. But when you have a one out of 10 issue and you turn it in your head into an 11 out of 10 catastrophe, mm. then your emotions and your physiology buys into it. Now yep. you are in a state exactly of stress exactly exactly and what you just said is the bottom line how we think and feel and what we believe dictates our biochemistry and i didn't understand this until i studied um chinese medicine and anatomy and physiology and our thinking can either put us into um, fight or flight so the stress response or growth and repair and so when we're no longer perceiving threat our brain then decides oh i don't need to prioritize keeping her alive or him alive I can now prioritize growth and repair pathways such as human growth hormone, do, uh, human 
growth hormone, dopamine, serotonin, mood, you know, hormones that affect our mood and, and, and help us to make these changes. I bet you when your mum did that and she reached out and was still being a nurturing mother despite what she was going through was a huge perspective shift for you that mm. allowed you to check in with your story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've all got a story and, and I think, you know, my PhD is, is around self-awareness, so awareness of self. And I think that, you know, mm. just, just traveling through life going, okay, which bit of this is actual or real and which bit of this is my story, you know, because you think about this, the, the, I call it the, du the duality of the human experience and different people call it different things. But for me, it means, so we all kind of, you know, do life in this physical, external, three-dimensional space where you're sitting in a room, you've got a mic in front of you, some plants and some artwork and a bench behind you. And I'm in a studio and, you know, we've, I've got a mic and we go, well, it's about 19 degrees and I'm wearing this T-shirt and we've got the lights. So there's all this and I'm in Hampton and blah, blah, blah. There's all this physical stuff and external, you know, government and weather and COVID and other humans and work and money and school. And so we navigate this, we navigate our way in this physical space that we call the world. We call that Hampton or we call that Brisbane or we call that Los Angeles or wherever we live. Mm. But in the middle of that is this human being that is this conscious, emotional, self-aware, hopefully spiritual, deep thinking, clever, amazing, sometimes broken, sometimes brilliant, sometimes depressed, sometimes up, you know, creature that, that is giving everything without even thinking about it sometimes or consciously thinking about it is giving everything external a meaning. So we're always looking, you know, from think about this, from, from when we were born, from, every, from when everyone listening to this right now was born until this moment in time hearing this, we've all been programmed. Yeah. And that programming, that education, those influences, that media, that social media, those friends, those peers, that family, that religion, all of that stuff has programmed us to think a certain way and process the world around us. So mm. we kind of do life in this external place, but where we live is internal. Where we live is in our thoughts and feelings and emotion and beliefs and values and questions and creativity and excitement and joy and pain and sadness and happiness. That's where we live, you know, and it's, it's, it's navigating the external while managing the internal because I believe that, and I'm generalizing, so this is not, and you're a lot more evolved than a lot of people I talk with, Amanda, and I'm sure your audience are too, but, you know, we can be a very externally focused society where yeah. success is defined by what we have and what we own and what we earn and where we live and what we drive and what people think of us. So it's all the external. Yeah, and in the middle of all of that success, we can find someone who's actually shattered and broken. The power of duality, you raise a very essential point and the mm. power of polarity. And mm. is that the point of what this planet Earth is about is to have the light with the dark and the good with the bad and to, it was only when I um, truly lost everything from the movement of my body when I was paralyzed at age 29 and all of my money and um, in, you know, and a bunch of, you know, people in my life as well, because that happens. Um, it was only when I truly lost everything and how I found my way back and became the whole, a whole new version of myself becoming 30 
funnily enough, that's when I went brunette as well. When I turned 30, I've just turned 40 and I went brunette again. Because um, I just became, become a whole new version of myself. And, and I just wasn't able to um, love myself in, in such a way and to really appreciate my gifts until um, I had to rebuild. I think you've got to die a few times in your life to really live, you yeah. know, and, and you're supposed to totally lose yourself. And how you find your way back is how we learn all the lessons, but you've got to accept the call to challenge and you've got to rise above. And I believe that we need to give our mind and body the best environment so that we can elevate and see things from that higher perspective where things are happening for us not to us and we can learn the lessons even after trauma and horrible things that can happen in this world and then what we learn from that and who we become is the point yeah yeah and and also you know part of the i think you know we need to be careful that we don't end up like in this quest for better you know, mm -hmm. and more and enlightenment and success. And we also need to be okay with the shit days. You yep. know, we need to go, oh, it's a shit day. And guess what? That's okay. And and guess what? I didn't win. That's okay. Guess what? I don't know the answer to this question. That's okay. Guess what? These people don't want me in their group. That's okay. Guess like, because we're so dependent on all this external stuff yes. and validation and I need to you know, I need to be the smartest and I need to win and I need to be on this never-ending quest for growth and improvement. And well, no, you mm. don't. That's just your story. How about today? How about now in the middle of whatever it is that you're in, how about now's just fucking great? Yeah. And not because great. something's happening or you've got a tick of <laughs> approval or someone's giving you a round of applause or a trophy, but just because now is just okay and today is okay and you don't have to be you know it's okay to be striving and killing it and grinding and hustling and training but if that's all you ever do that's unhealthy because you're not going to be satisfied yeah yeah there's like be still be silly laugh what's your laughing plan i say to Oh, this is very, oh no, I'm not going to say it. I'll get in trouble. But I, I do a lot of coaching with successful people and I have over the years. I do less now because I do other stuff. But, and I would say to some really high profile successful people, you know, and I'm talking about people who, you, you know, lots of people know, lots of money, lots of success, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But in the middle of all of their success, some of these people, not all, but some are just so miserable, so mentally and emotionally bankrupt and, and just so much pain and, and there's no judgment. There's just observation. But I would say to them, you know, in the middle of all their box ticking and KPI checking and hustling and grinding and winning and high-fiving, there was no fun. There was yeah. no joy. There was yeah. no joy. There was no laughter. There was no, do you know what there was? There was no calm. There was no equanimity. Mm. There was no peace. And I've, you know, I, I was relatively for the ex fat kid from the country who thought he would be, I don't know what I thought I would be, but by the time I was 30, I'd, I'd superseded or exceeded, I should say, all of my expectations for my whole life because I'm not very spectacular, but I just found the thing that I'm not bad at. And by the time I was 30, I had all these successful businesses and people and I was writing for the Herald Sun and doing all this cool stuff. Even in the middle of that, I kind of lost myself. Why? Well, because I bought into the paradigm that success is stuff, what you have, what you earn. Yeah. And, and Craig, you've got two gyms. That's amazing. You should have three. Should I? Yep, definitely. Yep. 
and and because your brand is on a roll and you've got connect you've got a platform mm-hmm. now and more, you know, more, should, more yeah. yeah 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 and we yeah. buy into this we buy into this you know this commercial kind of mentality and and people get confused sometimes when I say this because I own a business and I do corporate speaking and I get paid really well but I also do a lot of things um, a lot of things I would say 40 percent of my work I don't get paid for mm. And I call that work because I'm doing essentially the same thing. And I'm, and I love that because I love serving. And I think that's part of what I'm meant to do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think there's, there's, you know, there's the separation between who I am and what I have. And we need to know where do Craig's things finish and where does Craig start? I love that. What does, I am and what I have. Yeah. And, and who am I, but like, I, I often used to say, I'd get a dude, could be a girl, but let's say a dude in my office and I'd go, tell me about you. And they go, what do you want to know? I go, I just want to know about you. Tell me about you. And then they'd <laughs> tell me about their address or their house. I go, no. Then they'd tell me about where they work. I go, no, not about where you work. And then they'd tell me about their kids. I go, that's lovely, but don't tell me about your kids. Then they tell me how good they were at footy or how much they bench press. And I'm like, well, achievement. Yeah. Are you an achievement? Are you a weight in the gym? Are you, oh, I smoke too much. Oh, well you, are you a bad habit? No. Are you a bank balance? No. Are you a brand? No. Are you an academic achievement? No. Well, tell me about you. Don't tell me about all the stuff around you Mm. and people like and, and, and circuits, yeah. Well, I, I go, I don't know if you can take <laughs> away all that stuff because that's where and the problem with having our sense of self mm. intertwined with external things is that our identity can then be ripped away. Yeah. Because if you get your confidence and sense of self for your money and you lose your money, you lose yourself. Yeah. If you get your sense of self from your beautiful face or your big muscles or your you whatever, and then you get fat, or then you've got a few wrinkles, or you're whatever. Trust me on this. Trust me on this, Amanda. No, I believe you. No, do, do you think you can have both? Do you think you can be a conscious, um, highly evolved person that is, you know, all for the greater good of humanity, um, really loves their work, and can be successful with the stuff, but also with a really great understanding of who I am, what I am versus what I have? Do you think you can have both? 100% is the answer. Yes. Is it easy is a good question. No. And that's it, what you're really achieving at the moment, aren't you? Oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a fuck up. I'm, I'm you just, are not. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't definitely don't use me as an example because I've still got issues. I'm, I'm a working, and I don't say that with false humility. I do some things really well, but really what I'm good at is I'm good at persevering. I'm good at asking questions. Mm. I'm good at listening. I'm good at finishing stuff. I'm good at getting uncomfortable. Mm. Now, all of those things that I just said are all choices. Mm-hmm. A- am I brilliant? No. Am I an academic genius? No. Am I, am I genetically gifted? No. Um, you know, so many, am I a brilliant businessman? No. But what I used to do when I started my, like I set up the first personal training businesses in Australia. Mm. For five years, I got up at three o'clock in the morning and was at the gym at four. Yeah. And I would work till nine or 10 at night. So I would just work harder and longer than everyone. I wasn't smarter. I wasn't more gifted. And in those first five years, I made 1 million mistakes. Of course. But I probably had 20 years of development in five because of my application. 
and there's but your the resilience. thing is we live in a culture where we are addicted to instant gratification and mm. comfort and familiarity and certainty and predictability mm. and those addictions to those things that we have stop mm. us growing because when we grow mm. is in the middle of uncertainty unfamiliarity discomfort yes that's where we grow yeah so you've got to go where you grow bro and because you're good at being uncomfortable and persevering, you, you you went far in everything that you do and and have done in the past. I think you are achieving it. I think you are a very aware human being and I think you've had it all and then you've realised what's important and what, what doesn't serve you and what doesn't make you happy and you're still obviously doing incredible things. You are really successful, but it is more about how you can be of service and how conscious you can remain amongst all the chaos of, of having the success that you have. I think well, you comes, are doing. I think it comes down. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think truly, and this, I don't mean this sound flippant, it comes down to your definition of success. True. So my definition of success is um, walking my talk, living my potential, um, living my purpose, living my values. And one of my values, uh, probably my dominant value is love. And, and love manifests in, you know, in service, in kindness, in generosity, in quality time, in helping people, genuinely helping people with no agenda and not looking for attention. Um, and and that's, that's, I always say to people that I coach, I care what you do when no one's looking because that tells me who you are. Exactly I'm not interested right. in your Facebook. I'm not interested in your Instagram. I'm not interested in your persona. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the person behind the persona. I want to know you. And Trust me, I tried greed, I tried ego, I tried big biceps, I tried money, I tried <laughs> lots of, I tried everything, Amanda, and I was still a fuck up. And I was an insecure, overthinking, self-doubting, self-loathing fuckwit who <clears throat> had to have a light bulb moment. And I was in the middle of my picture of success and in the middle of that external representation, I was drowning. Mm. What I love about you is, you know, I reached out to you only probably a fortnight ago and you instantly without, you know, you probably learned about me for the first time then and and, and you instantly said, yep, I'll, I'll jump on your show and, yes, I'll do it next week. Um, and I love that about you. You didn't ask about the stats of my podcast. You didn't check to see how seen and heard I am. You, you looked at what I was doing. You obviously liked it. Maybe you believe in it and you just wanted to help and that's, I, that's the energy I felt when you responded to me on email. So thanks so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I, I love helping people. I don't know that this is going to help, but if you had 10 listeners or a million listeners, but you know what? If you had a million listeners and I didn't, uh, let me, how do I say this? I didn't like what you were about. I wouldn't go on your show. Yeah. 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 You know, so for me, there's got to be synergy and there's got to be uh, respect and, you know, it's, it's, but I think this is the thing, you know, we, we can all, I think one of my, my um, purposes is to, uh, is to encourage and support and help people who are, you know, maybe, you know, on the same journey or similar journey to me or want to be, you know, and so for me, that's a, that's a gift and that's a, you know, it's a pleasure. I love that. And I, I, it's just amazing. I think you're incredible. I think you're a beautiful human. Thank you. Um, so can we um, talk about 
um, you know, wrapping things up, can we, we've heard so much about what you believe about the mind and body, um, your mum's amazing story and what she went through and how that changed your perception and how, you know, your insights and how you see the world. Um, and also um, we spoke about, you know, resilience and, and how the brain works in that way. Um, do you have any tips that might help some anyone out there that, that's listening that might be going through something where they're finding it hard to really rise above and, and be more resilient? What are um, some tips you can share that you might do in your daily routine that really helps you to really remain more connected to, to rise above challenges? Okay. That's a good question. That's the world's biggest question, but I'll, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll dive in. Thanks for that. Um, all right. So let me talk a bit about so firstly, let's just identify or, or maybe um, <clears throat> discuss what resilience is. So when, from my point of view, when my definition is that resilience is your ability to be able to work through the crap, whether that's yeah. physical, mental, emotional, social, your ability to be able to deal with discomfort. <clears throat> yeah. Now you can't, firstly, you can't get good at what you don't do. Oh, I love that. You can't get good at what you don't do. Yeah. And you'll like this one. You can't master what you avoid, right? Same. So if you are scared, I'm going to say that is okay. Yep. Me too. Yeah. I'm scared too. Yeah. If you're uncomfortable, I'm going to go, that's okay too. Being scared mm -hmm. and being uncomfortable are not weaknesses. They are human experiences. Yep. So um, how do we get, you know, one of the things I get asked a lot, a lot is, how do I overcome my fear of public speaking? Because that's mm. primarily my job. Yeah. And the answer to that question is by public speaking. Exactly. So how do I get good at something? By doing something. So whatever the skill or the task or the requirement is, everybody, and this is, this is a bit to do with my sporting background analogy, but everyone starts as a white belt. Mm -hmm. So everyone's a white belt and you can't become a black belt mm -hmm. in any martial art or any discipline or any habit or any practice, whatever, whether it's a fighting art or something different, but yeah. you can't become a black belt without going through the gradings and without doing the work and without putting in the time and without going through pain. Like pain is not the enemy. Yeah. Pain is, pain is a teacher. And of course there are, you know, different types of pain and there are levels and all of that. Yeah. But so the answer is part of the answer is, you know, dive in or if you don't dive in put your toe in the pool and that's yeah. okay you know it's like if you let's say let's use a metaphor you want to run a marathon and the, even the thought of running a marathon is ridiculous it's overwhelming but and because you've never run you've never even run for a bus and you want to run a marathon and you're looking at your body and you're 40 kilos overweight and you're 52 years old and you're like don't be ridiculous harps that's an absolute bloody fantasy and i would say how about this? How about today you walk and how about you walk 20 minutes and then you do that every day and that's let's next week, maybe 25 and then 30. And then maybe by week four, we just chuck in a little kind of a few 10 meter jogs. And then we, and then we graduate the jog, blah, 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 blah. And you know where yeah, I'm going. You just, you just have a go. So 18 months later, this person has lost 30 or 40 Ks and they've gone from walking to walking fast to a little bit of jogging to a bit more jogging to jogging. And there's this physiological, emotional and psychological transformation. And this person runs a marathon. Now, was that ability always there? Yes. 
or that potential? Yes, but was what wasn't there was the story. I can run a marathon. What was there was the wrong story. Yeah. And so the, the challenge for us is sometimes we just need to do what hurts. Yeah. And in, in not in a silly, reckless way, but in a yeah. calculating, strategic, courageous way. And by the way, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being scared and doing what you need to. Exactly. You I know, agree. and it's part of the human experience. You know, don't, 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 this is easier said than done. This is not a strategy, but a silly comment. But mm. as best you can, don't overthink it. Overthinking is fear. Why do we overthink? Because we're scared of something. And your heart closes over when you, you're you in your head and you're going over and over scenarios and you're just stuck usually in the past or overanalyzing the future and then we remove ourselves from the present moment, which is our most creative and innovative state. Well, yeah. You think about like people get a bit confused with, you know, this present moment and the power of now and all the, you know, yeah, the Buddhist teachings and Eckhart Tolle and <laughs> yeah. whoever, the Dalai Lama and who. But, <laughs> but the, the truth is, this present moment is inescapable on an experiential level because we've never, ever lived, ever lived one moment in the past or future because no. two years ago when that thing happened, you were in the present. You were just mm -hmm. in a previous installment of the present. When next Wednesday rolls around, it won't be the future. It'll be a new installment of this moment in time. Yeah. And living is a present tense verb. So living can only happen in the present but where the past and future live are in our head. Yeah. And sometimes that serves us and sometimes that destroys us. So we need to be careful about how much energy, attention and focus we give to the past and the future. Do you, want to, do you know what dramatically changed my experience of always being in my head um, versus being able to just drop it and being more present or in my heart or whatever? You know, I just, I find that um, joy just remembering to have fun and to bring joy into my day or experience was the thing that, well, that was when my toe moved for the first time and I actually started to get movement back in, on the paralyzed side of my body. Um, my girlfriends took me out for dinner and we, I was in my wheelchair and we just laughed and laughed and forgot about the 24-7 hell that was my reality for a little while and the laughing and just being in the moment and remember, just being so grateful about just doing that because I'd lost so much that night my toe moved for the first time. And I really believe that joy sparked growth and repair pathways and it took me out of survival just for a little bit. And I didn't understand that was going on until I studied later on. Do you believe in that? that oh, I, I don't believe in that. I know that. <laughs> I know <laughs> that. Like, I do know I, that. I know that, dude. Like there's, you know, you, one of the mistakes that we make in especially Western thinking and medicine and fitness and health is and and not everyone does this there are some very enlightened people and once again this is just my opinion so take it with a grain of salt if it sounds mm -hmm. like bullshit ignore it if it sounds like it might be worthwhile take it for a test drive but one of the things that we do is we treat the body and the emotions and the psychology and everything in isolation whereas everything is actually integrated all the time correct you know the thing is that if if you have a thought if you have a thought and let's say the thought is i'm in danger even though you're in no danger, but let's say you're in a situation or circumstance where you see something or you think something and, and now in your head is a story that I am in danger, that mm. you are in danger, despite the fact that there is no danger, you are totally safe. 
you believe that story. Now that story becomes an emotional uh, experience, which is fear and anxiety. Now that turns into a physiological experience, which yep. is, which is, you know, respiration and heart rate and adrenaline, cortisol, norepinephrine, sympathetic nervous system, yeah, all of yeah. these things switch on. So now the body is in, now all of that stuff is unnecessary, but nonetheless produced unconsciously by our story. Yes. And so one thought, one thought can literally change your physiology. And back the other way as well. Your biochemistry for better mm. or worse. Mm in a good way or a bad way. There's an interesting area of research called psychoneuroimmunology. Have you heard of that? I certainly have. So it's cool. It basically talks about, amongst other things, you know, the the power of your immune system or the efficacy of your immune, how well it works, in other words, um, based on what's happening mentally and emotionally. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. and everything is intertwined and it's this silly construct that, you know, it's, it's your you know, like you said, you had this, you had a biochemical shift because you were laughing and there was joy and all of a sudden there was a physiological response. That's no bloody coincidence. And it was a change of perception because of that moment because I was just so grateful for just being able to pick my fork up and cut. I actually couldn't do it very well yet. I still needed help with cutting my food up. But just the love and I received the, the help from my twin sister so much more just because I needed her help to dress. And so it really opened my heart in ways that would never have happened before if I hadn't have lost so much and gone through such a traumatic experience of being paralysed. And our situations change our perspectives on, on life and, and the lenses and how we see the world. And then the biochemistry shifts happens because of how we see it and I know that you have a meeting coming up soon and I feel like it's I've taken good. up so much I've got time five minutes. I've got okay. five minutes if you want. But okay, cool. what, what's uh, interesting is, you know, on top of that moment in time with your toe and your friends and your sister and the laughing and the joy and the love, by the way, yeah. love, and this is not cliche, love is so healing. Love is so yes. therapeutic. And that sounds cheesy and naff, but it is it's so nice. It is you know, true. there's so much, re even if you get out of the naff and the bloody cheesiness and get into science and research, there's so much great research that talks about longevity and health and immune system and yep. resilience and resistance with people who are in loving relationships, even if that loving relationship is with a dog or a cat, believe yeah. it or not. Mm. Um, but also what happened on that night when you had that moment was you experienced that toe moving and the joy, but then all of a sudden you chuck another beautiful thing into the picture, which is hope. Yeah. And now on top of the, the, the fun and the joy and the laughter, you, you chuck hope in there. And now there's, there's other great things happening in your body as well. It's, it, was a, it, was, it was a profound shift because feeling that uh, joy and then my toe moving was the very catalyst of what brought hope into my heart. And I woke up earlier the next day. I worked harder at physio and I walked and ran in six weeks after that. Beautiful. Changed my life. It just amazing. totally changed my life. And, amazing. You know, this is You're my amazing. Letter. So Thank you've you. just inspired me. It just, it just something came over me and I inspired myself. And I um to this, and this is my 11th year of clear MRIs. I take a very balanced approach. I have a wonderful neurologist. I am on medication, but I balance it in an integrated approach of the mind and body and nutrition and movement and connection, my pillars of health. And that's what I believe resilience is all about. And um, Craig. This has been such a juicy conversation and I think a very important one to remind people that love, joy and hope um, can change everything when we're coming out of a dark spot and dealing with change and adapting. 
Um, so thank you so much for your time and your beautiful wisdom. Thank you, Amanda. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for listening. And please do uh, subscribe and review on the podcast and the YouTube channel for Ben Like Bamboo. And no matter what you are going through, you can overcome it and discover what you are made of. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Amanda.